The Blockbusters Podcast is a proud member of the Pod Bros Network, where you can find us as well as other excellent podcasts such as Sarcasm City, Worst Millennials, and Late Night Gamers at podbros.com. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy another episode of the Blockbusters Podcast. Tonight's story is somewhat unique and calls for a different kind of introduction. Today we are canceling the apocalypse! Wait a minute, wait a minute, you ain't heard nothing yet. And uh, this is? Lilu Dallas Multipass. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. Houston, we have a problem. Have you tried turning it off and on again? Gentlemen, you can't fight in here, this is the war room. Now, where was I? Welcome to episode 83C of the Blokebusters podcast. I'm Paul, and today we're going to be talking with our good friend B-Rob about A Series of Unfortunate Events, Season 3. How are you doing, sir? I am doing very well. Very, very well. Um, let, let's uh, put this out there into the atmosphere and whatnot. <laughs> um, it's been three seasons of a series of unfortunate events and I've been privileged to join you for season one, season two. And here we are discussing the final season, season three. There have been three attempts to record this episode between <laughs> me and you. And uh, they've yes. all been unfortunate. So I, I just wanted to throw out the irony of us trying to put this together. <laughs> yes. It's, uh, it's been interesting. Yes. Uh, full transparency. We did attempt to record a full episode a little while ago and recording equipment failed us. So, well, not so much uh, you, more me. Yes, <laughs> it's not. It's, it's not you. It's me. <laughs> but yes, yeah, true. Very true. Uh, there you go. I'll just blame you again if anything goes wrong. There you uh, go. Right. Uh, yes, uh, we're we're hoping that uh, you'll actually hear this one. So that'll be nice. I'll get nuts and bolts out of the way really quick and then we can get right into it. Uh, you can find us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram at Blokebusters. You can go to Blokebusters.com and we have a nice website there. You can also go to Poprose.com and check us out as well as some other great shows there. And we do have a Patreon if you want to help us just kind of keep this show going. It's Patreon.com slash Podcast, and I'm trying to think of some fun little things to go on there and they will be updated if and when I'm able to come up with them so uh, yeah, e- even just a dollar a month is uh, very 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 helpful yes so it is please do consider it <laughs> pretty please yes <laughs> um, so with that uh, I'd say let's dive straight into it then so mm-hmm. uh, first and foremost um, what were your thoughts and expectations going into this series because obviously we've covered our uh, general review of the first series and the second series but uh, like uh, when I got a hold of you to let you know that it was on Netflix uh, <laughs> what did you have coming into this series? Okay so um, season three snuck up on me. <laughs> I, I, I did not know it was out. I did not know Netflix released it. I didn't see any Twitter traffic, Instagram I saw nothing. It just as quick as it came in is just as quick as I consumed the content. You uh tech not text message me. You um hit me up on Twitter. He's like, hey, uh, season three is out. Uh, whenever you watch it, let me know and we can go ahead and do the final review. And I was like, wait a minute, it's out. <laughs> and um, it's, as soon as I got the information, I, I immediately went told my wife. I was like, hey, season three out. We gotta stop what we're doing and do watch this shit right now. <laughs> yeah, that was um. I- it, it came out and I I messaged you when I was about two and a half episodes in and before I had finished the fourth episode you let me know you would finish it so <laughs> yeah see but that's where you have the advantage I mean you took a little time to you know go through the episodes or whatever you know take breaks and you know consume it you know more than I did I consumed it but I had no uh, remnants of it left behind because as soon as I find like I said as soon as I find out we turned it on. We, I think we finished it off in two days. I just so happened to be off of work, and I was like, "Oh, let's do this!" Like right now, right now. So it kind of blurred by me, but um, overall, the series as a whole, was specifically season three, was uh, magnificent. I was sad to see it all come to an end, but you know, good things do come to an end. So yes, yes. And, uh, 
Uh, sadly, the, the nature of the beast was always going to be that the third series was the final one, just based on how many books they covered. Uh, and yeah, going into this one, I I considered re-watching the first two series when I, mm-hmm. I knew roughly when this was coming out. But I realized that uh, I I didn't do that for the second series. Mm-hmm. And I I totally enjoyed that. And it would have been one of those things where I'd had to have really planned it out because I can only really watch it at set times. And so it's like, yeah. okay, the, the next two weeks is going to be my what, re-watching this thing. Yeah. And so I was like, yeah, you know what? I won't do that. I'll just uh, enjoy it as it comes. And I was most intrigued to see how much of what they'd set up would end up being paid yeah. off. The paid off. Yeah, the pay off. Um, and I think we spoke about this maybe on the season two recap or whatever. And I was just kind of applauding the show for, you know, having a a set point, you know, a, a destination A, I mean, a launch point A, destination Z. So this whole thing was mapped out from, you know, the beginning to the end, you know, in line with the books that are already out. And um, I was saying that more shows should take cues from this show and just be like, you don't have to come up with, you know, a Walking Dead type scenario to where you got 38,000 seasons already lined up in a queue or whatever. You can be like, hey, we have this story. We have this many seasons. And, you know, it's just going to be portion size. It's sample size. I mean, you're not going to get this big drawn out years, months type deal. It's just like, here's the story. It's going to take this long. And there you have it. Because I, I, I would be fine with that. You just let me know it's going to be three seasons. It's going to take from this time to this time, and I'm fine with that. So I ain't sitting here going week to week like, oh, when the next episode coming out. They done took a mid-season finale break. Goddamn, it's, <laughs> it's New Year's, so they're going to take another two weeks off and all this other crap. I only do that with one show, and that's Supernatural. And I've been watching it since season one, and they're on like season 13 or 14 right now. So that's the only show that I can tolerate that mess with. Nothing else is just like... I'll wait till they cancel it or it comes to a season finale and I'll binge it all the way from season one. Yeah, that's, um, I was actually going to bring up Supernatural in the respect of what you were talking about because I know that the the series creators had an end point in mind mm-hmm. and they reached that end point, I think, about season five. Yeah. And and they they realized that they could keep going and everyone on board was like, yeah, you know, we kind of want to keep this going. And then I think they weren't necessarily canceled, but they weren't sure if they were going to continue. So they kind of left it at a point where they could stop, but then they just kept going and going and going. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I'm about a season and a half behind at this point with that. But uh, yeah, I, I've been enjoying that as well. But not a lot of shows actually have the opportunity to keep going and still be as good yeah and that one in that episode in that season that show has sentimental value to me as well that's why i kind of keep continuing on with um the watching of it it was um my when i met my wife for the first time she introduced me to the show i think it was already like live it was maybe two or three seasons in so she told me about it and we binge watched from season one to current and we've been in line with it all the way since then nice yeah that's it now we, but Supernatural is another show. We can talk about that another time. We're here yeah. for the series of unfortunate events. <laughs> Indeed. So, so we'd probably start out uh, just covering the episodes as they came in. So the first two episodes covered The Slippery Slope. Mm-hmm. And uh, that one, you finally got to see how they got away from not crashing and dying in a caravan. And it was just... Because in kind of typical series of unfortunate events fashion, mm-hmm. it just kind of hit a rock and that was just enough for the physics to knock it off to one side to give them enough time to come up with a way to escape. And you, know, you knew that Violet and Klaus weren't going to die at the beginning of series yeah. three. It just wasn't going to happen. But it was kind of fun that it was like, yeah, yeah, we we know they're not going to die, so bonk, okay, this thing goes off down the road a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, this was the uh, the episodes where we got reintroduced to the most annoying character in the entire series. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, absolutely 
cannot stand that little girl. <laughs> yeah. And it, it can't stand it so much, that daggone, um, we forget her name a lot. Yeah, ca- <laughs> yeah Kamalita. Kamalita. Yeah, I, I mean, most... she, she's an annoying character, but she is a great actress. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, that, that's the thing. I, I have nothing bad to say about the actress that plays her and the way that she was played. I just cannot stand the character. <laughs> you know, thinking about it now, just her attitude, she kind of reminds me of Violet from Willy Walker in the Chocolate Factory. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Uh, especially just the the confidence in themselves that, she, that they have. And uh, um, as I believe we touched on in our failed recording, she, to me, I ended up hating her more than Olaf, and it felt very much like you have in Harry Potter when yeah. you when you had, and of course now I'm forgetting her name. Uh, <laughs> oh, the yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> the yeah, Umbridge, Dolores yeah, Umbridge. Yeah, Umbridge. There you go. Yeah, when you know, she's introduced, and suddenly everyone hates her more than Voldemort. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> A fantastically done character. So yeah, I. Uh, I I appreciated the well acted character, but I absolutely hated the character. So yeah, so yeah, just just well done <laughs> right there. Also, um, yeah. continuing on from the uh, last episode, bringing us into the current two for season three, um, they find out that one of the parents may still be alive, and um, when we talked about this last time, that seemed to be the thing of all of season three to where, you know, characters in certain ways were having some type of parent issues or, you know, being estranged from their parents or losing a parent or some combination of all those things. So that's kind of what we are introduced to um, MWBNH and WWHNB. That is the (laughs) man, man with a beard and no hair. And the woman with hair and no beard. <laughs> yes. Uh, which, for for some reason, no matter how many times I hear that, I just enjoy it. Just, like, the complete obviousness of the woman with hair but no beard. It's like, w- wouldn't it be more... It would be more of a name that you'd have to give her if she did have the beard. So if it was the other way around. Mm-hmm. The woman with a beard but no hair and the man with hair and no beard. I feel like that would be... Mm-hmm. Uh, like something that this series would have done, yeah. but I kind of appreciated the fact that it wasn't that way around. It was the way it is. So yeah, and then um, just the aesthetic of the two, the way they looked, um, the man's beard looked like the woman's hair, and her hair looked like his beard. Yeah, <laughs> it was. It was almost it reminds me of a um, a playing card. You know, when they have like a jack or a king on it, they have the mirror image of the character on top yeah. and bottom. That's kind of what it reminded me of. Yeah, I'm sure that's the way that they were going with it. It's because they are you know, one and the same, effectively. Mm-hmm. And uh, one thing I found kind of funny when I was looking it up is the people that play them both have the same last name. Because you have Beth Grant plays a woman with hair but no beard, and people that are wondering, like, oh, do I know that person? It's uh, If you've seen Donnie Darko, she's the, oh, the parent that's the parent. rallying behind the... The guy that's running the dance troupe, who's arrested for the uh, child pornographic perform- images, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and Richard E. Grant is the man with a beard but no hair. And they're so, not related, are they? <laughs> they're not related at all, but they both have the same last name. So I found it kind of funny uh, that they they ended up doing that. Something, of course, you are introduced to the person who is revealed to be the survivor of the fire. And you don't realize that they're the survivor of the fire until, I believe, the second of the two episodes, I be- uh, possibly. I be- um, yeah, and it would be uh, Quigley Quagmire, mm-hmm. so the uh, the triplet uh, that everyone believed to have died. So in that, you do realize that one of their parents did not survive, mm-hmm. uh, despite the fact that that's what everyone assumed. So. Mm. Yeah, there was a survivor, and everybody um, from the previous season already concluded that the third of the triplets were were dead. So, 
Yeah, yeah. It, everyone knew that that person was dead, and then when it was there's a survivor of the fire, it's like, oh, it must be one of the Baudelaire's, and you don't think, well, no, there was more than one fire. So, mm-hmm. yeah, another yeah. excellent misdirection there. Yeah, that that that's what the show is king of misdirection. Is just like. All right, so I'm trying to figure out which parent it is, and it comes to find out it wasn't a parent at all. And I'm like, you son of a bitch. (laughs) (laughs) And that's something that you, uh, to point at, you know, what you were saying before, like you were wondering how season three was going to pay off all the things that they set up in season one and season two. It's just, you know, everything that was lost or, um, you know, not present in um, the next season, it all circled around and came back in season three. So you're going to have a uh, repeat characters from season one and season two that appear in season three and um, certain places that they've been, all those characters kind of appear in this in you know, later episodes of this season. Yeah. And, uh, and another uh, fun thing as well. Uh, I, I made a possible prediction at the end of the, second thing that we did which was guessing who the woman was that we saw mm-hmm. and it was like ah oh, maybe that's going to be their mother yeah because like, we didn't know and of course it turned out to be kit snicket mm-hmm. who would be lemony snicket's sister and uh, apparently uh trying to look this stuff up kit snicket is barely in the books at mm-hmm. all uh but they the same way that they did with jacques snicket in the second series they mm-hmm. just gave us more of her in this one mostly because yeah it was really fun and it was a, a good a good story way of getting the the children to to know what was going on and to tie a couple of other things together mm-hmm. such as the uh, the woman and the man uh, going after the sugar bowl and you realize oh she had it and she's taking it away so that was uh, yeah. Nicely done and very well acted. And then, you know, um, books have more of an advantage than television and movies because they, you know, you can write a book forever. You know, you can put as many details in it as you want. You can flesh out so many characters as you want or whatever. And you don't have that. Uh, you don't have that in TV and movies. And they did a good job of picking the bits and pieces out of the books and kind of, you know, manipulating it to translate well for television and especially for somebody like myself that hasn't read any of the books you know they set all this up you know very well and it almost intrigues me it almost makes me want to go to the books you know and kind of see where you know they uh bounce off each other and whatnot but i'm not so (laughs) yeah well uh, i i ended up doing a little bit of research and i i found out some of the ways that the TV series is different from the books, and I, it a couple of them are interesting. So, uh, for instance, the the freaks that they picked up at the end of the second series mm-hmm. that uh, the woman and the man end up killing in these episodes, uh, they are actually stay with Olaf until they get to the hotel Denimore in okay. the books. So that. And I, I understand why they got rid of them, because that would have just been way too many people, mm-hmm. <laughs> at least in the TV show. Uh, and the the murder of the Snow Scout's parents isn't in the books at all. So that was uh, an interesting addition, I thought, and a very good one, actually. It was uh, a really cool way to show just how sinister these people were. Yeah. And then the es- the escalation that we spoke about, you know, in this whole series or whatever, season one was like, you know, things were accidents, you know, when they happened. And then season two, it was like murder, but not so much, uh, you know, it was like hesitant murder, but it was like murder. Like I, they killed straight up, killed a motherfucker. And then season three is just like, uh, yeah, we killed some people, whatever. It's just like that numb to it. It's just like it's a everyday occurrence now. Yeah. And. And even, you know, watching the Baudelaire's stories, like they, they've reached a point where every single time it just goes south, they're annoyed mm-hmm. and they're dismayed. 
mm-hmm. but they're not surprised anymore. It's yeah, just... exactly. It's just like I can remember them being so down about it, and some like a lot of the earlier episodes, they they would mope about it, and it kind of would carry over into the next episode. But this one is just like, up, oh, motherfucker, dead. Let's keep going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it's it's so interesting to to watch, and th- this series. I thought really showed the the growth of the the actresses and actors that played the Baudelaire's physically and, too. <laughs> well, yes, I mean, uh, yeah, it it helps that uh, they they did film it. They took a little bit of break and then got back to it, and you can see them growing up as it goes on. Uh, and obviously, with that will come a little bit of maturing as a an actor mm-hmm. but yeah just being able to see the characters with everything they go through kind of become numb to it and they their attitudes start to change as well mm-hmm. and just watching them bloom into that was uh, was a, a lot of fun to see yeah so we saw sunny go from crawling and not really talking just a lot of baby jibber jabber to walking and forming some you know form of words and then here we are in season three a different hairstyle a little bit bigger walking you know well and actually using words (laughs) yeah and uh and a lot of time you don't really need the subtitles but Mm -hmm. uh obviously they kept them because that's what you do she's like in the in the books this takes place over just a few months so she's still a baby Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah which uh yeah, I I enjoyed and and they didn't hang a lantern on it as much as they did at the beginning of the second series. They they just kind of knew that you would accept it this time. So yeah, yeah, it, uh, it was it was cool. I I I liked coming back into this and seeing this episode and just realizing that on top of this being the race to the finish, the stakes were just getting higher and higher. Mm-hmm. So, so that was really cool and um, uh, one fun thing as well uh, that I didn't realise is that the first two episodes were written by a man called Daniel Handler and in case you haven't been following along Daniel Handler is the real name of the person that wrote the Lemony Snicket books so oh. yes he was uh, he was helming uh, that episode and he co-wrote the last episode as well I so, think I think we I don't know if we spoke about it about the series on the previous recordings, but I remember saying like having the original, you know, creator of the content, you know, having something to do with a series or some kind of, you know, some recreation of their works is I don't think is a, necessarily a bad thing. But to have somebody writing and directing it, I mean, because I think the dude, um, I forget his name, the one who created the Walking Dead series, he's all over that shit. You know, he. <laughs> co-directing producing and all kind of crap <laughs> yeah yeah it it's generally really good if you have someone who is so on board with this uh sometimes it isn't uh i mean all you need to do is look at maximum overdrive no oh. uh, <laughs> i, I still then, love that movie though <laughs> oh yeah it, it, it's a ball of fun but uh it you, you can't exactly call it great cinema. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it, it's really good that these books that were um, based on every person I've ever talked to that has read them has said that these books are so well written and I am sad I didn't get to read them growing up because they feel like exactly my style of books. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he was on board with this, he helped... Uh, write it and he was you know, available for any uh, any questions that the people that were creating this had I mean it was uh, it meant that this whole show was going to have the best chance it could yeah because I mean you don't want it to be exactly like the book because I guess it would kind of taint it in a way for people who read all of them to go into a TV show and they know everything that's going to happen so you got to do a lot of misdirection and swerves and all those things and whatnot you know just to go back to the walking dead or whatever that series 
in comic book form is still going on as we speak, as the shows go on from season to season, episode to episode. So people know what's coming next, but they do it in a way for television to where for us that don't read the comic books, you know, it's something new and fresh altogether. But for the people who know the content and read the comic books and are up to date with the series and everything, they can be like, oh, all right, they did this here, but, you know, they changed it this way, this way and this way. Because I've seen some of the panels from the Walking Dead stuff. And yeah. like some of the characters that are together in the TV series aren't necessarily together as, you know, in the comic books or whatever. Because Bashon and one of the guys from the other season that uh, died, big black guy, I forget his name, they were somewhat romantically, you know, intimate in the comic books from what I've seen in panels. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think Rick loses hand at one point, too. So oh. I know they, I know they teased it in one of the series one of the seasons, but um, it wind up not happening. <laughs> yeah, uh, it that that seems like it would be too much of a handicap for the main character mm-hmm. in this sort of a setting. So I I can understand why they didn't do that in the show. Uh, but yeah, and well, what you were saying with uh, some of the ways they they've changed it, there's a couple of others that uh, I thought were really good. Uh, for instance. Uh, jumping ahead a little bit when you got to see Kit, Lemony, Olaf and Beatrice at the opera yeah the flashback Yeah, that is not in the books at all mm-hmm. so I mean I think you get references to it but the actual scene itself isn't in the book mm-hmm. and the other two things that uh, I mentioned as well is uh, both from the penultimate peril is the fact that Lemony Snicket was the man with the taxi and that Dewey was the father of Kit's baby. Mm-hmm. They are kind of inferred in the books, but never confirmed. Mm-hmm. So, And there were always fan theories. So this series is kind of the, the yeah. official nod that, yep, that, yeah. that's the case. <laughs> well, I mean, that's and that's cool because like, from what are you saying from your research and you know what I'm you know seeing in this series is they're piecing all they piecing all to they pe- they putting caps on all the questions that people had about the books and they're just playing it all out within this series and that's pretty cool yeah because <laughs> I mean we didn't get a definitive ter- you know reason why Olaf is the way he is until season three you know so now we know exactly why you know, there was yeah. hints and sprinkles of it between the first and second series, but we actually know why now. Yeah, and uh, it, you know, it was really cool, especially uh, so like going into the Grim Grotto, which are the next two episodes when they end up getting on board the submarine of the uh, the Queequeg, mm-hmm. and you you realize there's another child. Who's mm-hmm. running this thing? Because another parent figure has vanished, and you you realize, oh, okay, so yet again, this is another VFD thing. And mm-hmm. then when Olaf turns up and captures them again, uh, <laughs> one and once again, the Baudelaire's are just kind of like, oh, for God's sake! <laughs> you know what? Just you know, looking back at this whole series, the kids are the smartest ones in the room. Oh yeah. In any situation, any kids. It is not specifically the Baudelaire's. It's all the kids. It's the girl on this ship. It's the um, the freaking tw- the triplets. It's just all the kids are the smartest ones in the room, and the adults are just oblivious to everything. Yeah, and every single one of these kids that has been the son or daughter of someone from VFD mm-hmm. is someone that has grown up with learning, and someone that has grown up uh, being taught all of these various skills and then everyone that's coming after them is someone that has either just kind of fallen into their position and so they're just perfectly happy where they are and they don't need to learn anything else mm-hmm. or are the villains who are just single-minded and after one thing all the mm-hmm. time so so they're often able to evaluate the situation and their problem is they're often just not able to influence it mm-hmm. so and then you know as adults do or whatever i mean i am the adult so you do what i say because you're a kid you know it's kind of that vibe throughout the whole thing because a lot of it too is you know 
it is the theme heavily falls as far as the adults go. Ignorance is bliss. Yes. You know, so I mean, ah, you know, it's just whatever. You know, it doesn't. If I ignore it, it'll go away. You know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. That's the way it really feels with a lot of these things. It's just that the adults don't ever want to deal with something, and mm-hmm. uh, are they so busy trying to cover up and hide things that they dismiss a lot of things so they can do just that? Yeah. <laughs> um, well, and uh, even. Uh, kind of along the same lines you find out in the Grim Grosso episodes that Hookie, uh, otherwise known as uh, Fernald, is the older brother of the person who is helming the submarine mm-hmm. and his way of kind of covering up that is uh, he doesn't tell Olaf that Fiona is on the ship mm-hmm. and he just kind of attempts to uh, misdirect Olaf but doesn't really have a good idea as to how to get away or how to let them get away it's just like oh just distract him a bit it's like, yeah he's just doing what he can to protect his sister yeah and uh, I felt it was it was kind of vindicating a little bit for him mm-hmm. uh, especially given everything that we discover in the, how he lost his hands <laughs> Yeah, how he lost his hands and uh, the reasons for doing what he did and it was doing something awful for the right reasons mm-hmm. uh, another thing that props up a lot in this series and the fact that he ended up where he did I, I felt was really believable and that uh, he was he was always trying to see the best and uh, you can tell he's done bad things but he was always the one to just kind of be like like, you sure? Like, mm-hmm. Can we do something else? Sir? But yeah, and it, it, and there it is again, the the parent issues. I mean, it was all a dispute between him and his father. Kind of why things turned out the way it did with him. Yep. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, uh, and also in the Graham Grosso, we're introduced to uh, one of the most important. MacGuffins in the series, which is the uh, Medusoid Bicillium. Yes. Uh, which which was created by Hookie, right? <laughs> uh, it wasn't created by him. Uh, but he tried to his, destroy it. Yeah, he, he found out that his father was keeping it mm-hmm. under this lighthouse because they were trying to we find out they were trying to figure out a way to cure it. Mm-hmm. But he was certain that the VFD was going to use it as a weapon, mm-hmm. so he attempted to destroy it, and uh, it did not work. But uh, that, that was what he did. So yeah, it was um, it, it was an interesting. Thing. It was another one of those things where this is where real life science just takes a back seat. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, that that has happened sporadically during the series so by this point you you're not even questioning it it's just like well yeah of course this thing is completely deadly and will just kind of appear and disappear yeah (laughs) yeah it was um it it was fun and i i also enjoyed uh like we see sunny really coming into her own in this series and this is I think even more so than the previous two episodes, this is where you see Sunny proving just how much of a fighter she is. Like, mm-hmm. As she's dying, she is trying to tell the others like, how to save her. So it's mm-hmm. uh, it, she's one of the strongest, if not the strongest of the three, because of everything that she's trying to do now. So was, you know, and I noticed there were less biting from her in this series. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, definitely, and uh, um, obviously they they moved quite far from the admittedly not too great CG yeah. of the baby just nah, 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 nah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and it, so they should because yeah, to have a I'm not quite sure how old the actress was, but I'm assuming three or four year old yeah. uh, pretending to be one year. It, it, that wouldn't have worked so I, I'm glad that they they worked that in mm. also, but what we're forgetting about this um, 
episode or whatever, one of the characters that made their um, return that kind of livened up these scenes was Phil from uh, yes. the, the Miserable Meal or whatever. He was one of the guys that lost his leg in that accident. <laughs> yep. Yes, and, uh, and yet still... Still optimistic. as optimistic as possible. <laughs> yeah, Phil Phil was great fun just to see on screen again. So it was uh, it, it was nice to have that and ultimately you kind of needed it. You, you needed that character that was just so mm. optimistic because you needed the mood to just come up just a little bit uh, with everything that was going on. So mm. uh, but yeah, anyone that uh, Okay, anyone that's listening to this without having seen the episodes or something, um, good on you. Uh, but yes, uh, if you, you do go back and see it, make sure that you either re-watch The Miserable Mill or attempt to watch all of these in one go. So when he comes back, you really understand, like, hey, he's back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and of course, he's the cook now, and it's gum, 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 gum. Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't there another episode or whatever to where there were some somebody was making something and they only had one specific ingredient just like this? I can't remember. Um, I'm not sure if it if it's quite the same, but um, uh, I could be completely they, thinking about a whole nother show. So well, I, <laughs> I flashed to uh, the the original film when uh, they're told just to make dinner uh, and they yeah. had literally three things and they mm. put it together, and of course. Uh, Olaf was like, no, I wanted uh, was it lasagna or whatever it was. <laughs> it's like, well, how are we supposed to do that? Uh, uh, but yeah, I, uh, when when he started going on about uh, like the gum all the time, I just immediately got uh, because I've started rewatching it now. Monty Python Flying Circus when they did the spam. Uh. Uh, see, <laughs> there's spam and spam. There's spam, spam, egg and spam. Have you ever eaten spam? I have not. I've did clear of that stuff. It's not bad. I I have nothing against it. Um, The full on block of meat (laughs) version of spam. uh, I think I had a taste of it. It's all right. You know, if I had a choice between it and something else, I would probably pick something else. But the potted meat version of it, where it's like ground up kind of fine into like a spread oh great on crackers great on crackers i, I get right. that for like snacks and stuff when i'm standing on post or when i was deployed i would get a whole case of that stuff and i just get a whole bunch of crackers and i just you know tear it up it's very good <laughs> all right well maybe i'll make a trip to the to the shops tomorrow and uh, look out for that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right um well, moving from the Grim Grotto, then we'll go into the penultimate Pell, which was, I think, one of the best episodes of the series, or the best episodes of the series, mm-hmm. and as a whole, really, which is uh, when the Baudelaire's end up at the Hotel Denouement, which, again, fantastically named. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, we had yet another, uh, well, several returns of characters from before mm-hmm. uh, they got uh, Justice Strauss comes back and you've got people from the uh, the village of foul devotees uh, you've got the vice principal of proof up prep mm-hmm. you've also got the taxi driver from uh, Lake Lacrimose uh, as well, just a whole bunch of people are there. <laughs> yes and uh, it's, uh, and it, it, Again, a lot of fun with wordplay as well, because when they have this giant trial, the whole point of justice is blind. Everyone needs to wear their blindfolds until the trial begins. Yes. And that was, that was just such a great sort of bit that, that they had. And then everyone just goes with it without, again, all the adults, everyone that should be going, well, no, this is stupid. It's like, yep, okay, just, yeah. just tie this up here. There we go. Yeah. And then... um. For me, when they got to the scene, they was talking about the high court and everything, and they were actually high up in the building. Um, yeah. I already knew who it was from the get-go. Did you have that same feeling of who those individuals were? Yeah, that that was the thing. It was always going to be mm-hmm. uh, someone that we'd already met, and when it was, oh, you can't see them, it was, well, 
I mean, it's a trial for Olaf. There's only one. There's only two people it could be, and yeah. it was indeed uh, the man and the woman. So, mm-hmm. remember, the man with the beard yes. and the woman without the beard but the hair. <laughs> yes, exactly. And <laughs> um, and yeah, and it was. It, this is a bit of an odd thing to say, but it was kind of fun to see Justice Strauss, who is so confident that the law will win out and the law will be just yeah because she felt like she had all the facts she had Olaf dead to rights she and she didn't take into account of all the things that the kids may have done throughout the um, the whole ordeal and whatnot which Olaf masterfully uh, unveiled to everyone in attendance <laughs> yeah and uh, and on top of that like the facts that the other judges would already have decided to clear Olaf no matter what. Mm-hmm. Like that, that doesn't occur to her at all. So she is, she is truly, like heartbroken at the mm-hmm. end of this because they yeah, question a lot of her beliefs. <laughs> yeah, d- despite everything that she's done, and despite everything that she's put together, she fails in that respect. And then the Baudelaire's ultimately don't go with her at the end. And she clearly just can't fathom that as well. So it was it was sad what happened to the character, but it was so so much not fun. <laughs> but it was it was just it was so good to watch. Yeah, as I I'll put it that way because that makes it sound better. Um, and yeah, the whole thing as well behind the the Denouement brothers. I thought was really well done. Uh, well, was the are you Frank or Ernest? Yes. <laughs> yeah. That's a good question. And then they yeah. just kind of stare awkwardly and they walk away. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And yeah, having that be, and it, again, it was it was really fun to see because obviously the people in VFD that are still around and still trying to help. And mm-hmm. Kit warns the Baudelaire's that one of the the managers is good one of them is bad and you can't tell them apart and she doesn't offer any assistance in that regard Mm -hmm. and then she leaves and so it's like oh like even the children are just like come on like give us something but uh, yeah and then what we will find out also later is instead of being twins they're triplets (laughs) yeah and that was actually that was something it didn't click for me until they showed the three Baudelaire's going off and doing their things individually and you saw three brothers mm-hmm. and at that point I I realized there's three brothers at the same place at, at the same time mm-hmm. but we've only seen two so something's off there yeah. and it really it was really good because you when you saw Kit telling them the advice and says uh, I, I think they said Frank is Frank's the bad one and working against the VFD. Ernest is the one that's working for the VFD. And then you saw her with one of the brothers, and uh, she she ends up saying, "Give my love to Ernest." Mm-hmm. So you think like, "Oh, she's with Frank," uh, like how's <laughs> that? And and then it once you find out that there's a third brother, everything clicks into place. And yeah. And you, uh, I didn't get it until just now when you kept saying the names, Frank and Ernest. Ah, uh, <laughs> yeah, right. that's yeah. That, one's being that, Frank, one's being Ernest. I got mm, it. <laughs> well, and it, and that, that's why it was it was so cool when it just are you Frank or Ernest? Yes, it's like <laughs> like that. It was so so well done, and they they play it. I think they play it three times. They they do it the once they do it twice and both of them say yes and that's all they get and then they do it when you find Dewey mm. and it's like yeah yeah I don't think you're Frank or Ernest it's like and now you're asking the right thing and he again he doesn't specifically say anything about the fact that they are names mm. or that they are uh, words to describe but it was good I think this is one of my favorite series booked, or whatever. Booked yeah. to episodes that they yeah. did, yeah. Because there's not too many that I can recall, you know, that comes to my mind, you know, book adaptations that, uh, you know, kind of, you know, 
that trailblaze like this one does. You know I mean, this is damn good, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and may as well talk about the end of it as well, which was mm-hmm. the end, which was the last episode. I was genuinely shocked to realize that the last episode was just one and they didn't split it into two. And I thought that uh, it was it was kind of good to see, finally, in the last episode, Olaf disguises himself and mm. nobody buys it. This <laughs> is the, the only time that literally everybody is just like, no, you're clearly Olaf wearing a dress. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so, so season one, he heavily relied on disguises and nobody could tell it was him. You know, yeah. even though it was obviously him, it, you can tell. I think the only one disguise that he had that was like, you know, questionable, I forget which one it was. It was I think it was when he was at the um, the animal house with Uncle Monty or whatever. And oh, he, yeah. he was bald headed and had a beard and everything. Yeah. <laughs> which eerily looked like the man with the beard and no hair. A little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was. Um... It, it was interesting to see you said the first series he heavily relies on all of the costumes and stuff yeah and then in the second series when he's declared dead he effectively doesn't really do costumes as much or like disguise kits he just wears uniform stuff like he pretends to be a doctor in one episode and yeah. so he, he just he bare minimum <laughs> yeah. and then and the- and then you know, see, with also with season two or whatever, they um, as far as the people, you know, discovering who he is in those disguises, their telltale was the eye tattoo on his ankle. So they always knew it's like, well, I'm not sure if this is Olaf, but let me check his ankle to be sure. And that was like kind of the theme of that series of for season two. Yeah, and and then they they kind of ended up they they did show it a few times in the third season. But at this point, they re- they know we- they know we know he's got it, mm-hmm. and he's not attempting to fool anyone at this point. So he- we finally actually got to see Olaf just being Olaf, like, <laughs> Olaf just just being relatively evil, just to get the one thing he's after, rather than having to concoct these plans to get mm-hmm. around something to get what he's after. He's- mm-hmm. Yeah, it's more direct, and he um, also, you know, has the backing of the man with the beard and no hair and the woman with hair and no beard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which, who, they uh, they favored Esme <laughs> more than him. Yes, they did, and that, that really teared him up and was, again, so much fun to see. And Neil Patrick Harris was just awesome. Mm-hmm. Like throughout the whole series, he was fantastic, but he, especially with this one, where again, Olaf, we got so much character growth and so much character understanding mm-hmm. just based on the interactions and then the little scenes that we get to see. And it was, it was so well done to finally see this character that we've all been rooting against throughout the whole series, mm-hmm. but now we finally get to see. Oh, this is why, or oh, that—that's what caused him to go down that route, and that's what causes him to despise the Baudelaire's. Yeah, and then um, the theme with him and Esme, or whatever his his so-called girlfriend, or whatever, um, you see the tension between them from the first time they reconnect in season two, and um, how it's kind of just, you know, you know, you're here because you know, type deal in season three, and that's uh, a lot of that is um really flushed out when you get that flashback that he was in love with someone at one time and he hasn't really got over it and she's just kind of like I guess what the booty call you're here so I mean <laughs> you know yeah yeah it's just uh, and again that was something that I can't remember if I sort of just picked that up in passing some way uh, but I was I was interested to see how everything was going on and then when we got the flashback and he was with Kit I was like oh yes yes he he was part of VFD mm-hmm. on the good side and then he ended up getting onto the other side of the schism yeah. and it was like well clearly being with Kit that's not the case anymore so and then it 
part of that deep seated hatred for that could would come from that and so mm-hmm. it was it was good to see at the very end that he wasn't necessarily redeemed mm-hmm. but he was still willing to just put aside all of his own personal stuff to attempt to save and be with the one that he was in love with so. mm-hmm. and then you know in some convoluted kind of way because we kind of spoke about this last time how the timeline of uh, Lemony Snicket's narration and his actual appearances in some of these flashbacks and um, you know throughout the story and whatnot that it was kind of confusing in a way because as he was narrating the story he was in frame for some of the stuff he was narrating so it was kind of blurred on what the time frame was so in some convoluted way in my mind you know, knowing that uh, Olaf was with Kit at one point, I thought her being pregnant was Olaf's kid for some reason, <laughs> until it was revealed at the hotel that it was for one of the triplets or whatnot, right? Yeah, it was Dewey. That, yeah, uh, was the father, and and yeah, it was um, it was interesting to to see, especially with the the final episode when they they end up getting this this baby right at the end and they agree to to help raise her um, mm-hmm. all three of them uh, even Sonny to, to raise this baby and then Kit ends up passing away from the reduced mycelium mm-hmm. and it was it was kind of fun to see Violet and Klaus finally becoming the parent I mean they obviously mm-hmm. been caring for Sonny mm-hmm uh, but with Sonny kind of growing and maturing yeah. as a character and becoming a, you know, a true sibling at this point, it was like, oh, okay, they, they've now finally turned into their parents, as mm-hmm. it were. So it was, yeah, so season one was hev- heavily them taking care of Sonny and trying to find a place of their own for all three of them. Uh, season two was more of them trying to figure out the fact behind you know what happened to their parents and unraveled the whole mystery of the VFD and all this stuff while you know Sonny needed less tending to then so there was more focused on you know unraveling the mystery behind season three Sonny is pretty much a, a full functioning person <laughs> or whatever for the most <laughs> part and it's not so much you know trying to find a place for them to be but to rather just figure all this out and get it all behind them yeah Again, as as we said before, just watching the evolution throughout the series has been so fun. And I know I will go back to the beginning and just kind of watch them all in a row and see mm-hmm. uh, like see in quick succession how uh, how these characters grow. But uh, it'll be it'll be fun to revisit it. And uh, and we did get throughout the series, we got some real callbacks to the. Uh, uh, the tale is also and woes was mm-hmm. uh, that one came back. That was kind of nice to to hear it one more time, and then right at the end we got to see that uh, that Beatrice meets her uncle. Mm-hmm. And, but we uh, but before we get there, we glossed over a good bit of uh, information here. Uh, the 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 sugar bowl. Yes, we did. <laughs> yeah, because um, we we spoke about the mycelium, the mycelium, reducing mycelium. Yeah, yeah, you got the proper alliteration on that. Um, <laughs> I we have talk been about practicing. yes, we talk about this virus and everything, but we never uh, got around to you know the cure and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's so. uh, there's been different instances within the series to where you know we spoke about it before, where Sonny gets infected with it, and um, they had to find the uh, cure or an uh, antidote or whatever. Uh, what was it specifically that they used the first time? Uh, horseradish. Um, horseradish. Uh, but uh, yeah, they didn't have straight horseradish, so they used wasabi. Uh-huh. Uh, and uh, which, which actually, it did seem to me to be something that was like, okay, they they kind of figured this out mm-hmm. uh, in that episode. and it's, Surely if they were able to figure it out, then other VFD people would have figured it out, so they would have just made sure that there was horseradish everywhere. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but uh, they did, uh, at the end of this, they did bring up that this sugar bowl that everyone had been clamoring over on both sides of the schism 
and then Edme just wants it back because it was her sugar bowl, damn it. Yeah, yeah it just <laughs> completed a tea set. <laughs> and the, in the books, it was never stated. Never stated what was in the sugar bowl. It was always just the sugar bowl. Mm. And everyone wanted it. And I think in the end, no one got it. Mm-hmm. Like, and no one was it. No one was able to claim it, and no one ever said what was in it. But in this series, we finally get the answer or an answer, mm-hmm. uh, which is that the sugar bowl contained sugar. Yeah, <laughs> but not just and, any sugar, of course. <laughs> yeah, it was like some hybrid blend of sugar or whatever. Yeah, that it, it was. Uh, it was sugar with horseradish and apple, I think. And this was an inoculation against yes. it, not just a cure. So, yes. So uh, if you took it, if you took it, you were immune to the virus from then on. Whether if you would have just ate the horseradish or an apple straight up, it would have just you know cured you of the ailment at the time. But you can't get it infected again later. Yes, as Sunny does. So mm-hmm. yeah, it was, um, uh, it was it was interesting. And then of course you find out that because the Baudelaire parents had been on the island before. Mm-hmm. And Which we they, never talked about, so they don't yeah, know what yeah, we talked yes. about. Uh, yeah, I, I figured... Um, uh, Leave it good, to mystery, right? Because they yeah, got to go back and watch it at some point, you know? Yeah, we're, we're going to go back and watch it, and some of the people listening to this may not have seen it and just kind of want to get bits and pieces, so mm-hmm. I figured we'd leave out some of the good stuff. But, uh, yes. but yeah, with, um, with the parents having been there, they end up developing uh, effectively the cure... Uh, mm-hmm. and building it into the apples from this tree so mm-hmm. uh, that they are able to save themselves at the end um, but, but yeah it was it was interesting that uh, again such an anti-climax that worked really well is that the ultimate secret that was in the sugar bowl mm-hmm. was, was sugar <laughs> and just the theme, overall theme of this show just you know the ups and downs and misdirections and everything you would come to appreciate that explanation of it yeah. I was like I'm thinking there's like a letter or a secret hit list on the inside or some crazy shit like that no nah, it's just sugar <laughs> cause why else would you put something else other than sugar in a sugar bowl <laughs> yeah, exactly like yeah what is a sugar bowl best designed to keep sugar so <laughs> it was a nice ending to it I thought and, and again um, we've not gone over everything and there's a whole bunch mm. there but uh, most things in this series that you cared about in the slightest they did end up wrapping it up in some way or another and then they even had some background wrap-ups that were fun uh, mm-hmm. for instance uh, one of my favorite things that I found out about this whole series on top of the fact that if you follow the background clues you can realize that uh, one of the people at the Hotel Denouement that uh, was uh, that was there to see the trial was the uh, uh, well it was uh, Babs. Babs said that her partner could not be there because she's in prison for bank robbery. Mm-hmm. And if you remember from series two, that was the teacher Mrs. Bass, mm-hmm. who I believe ends up getting caught literally with a giant bag of money. Um, mm-hmm. And if you follow the clues that are in the background in season two and then also the fact that we know that multi money management or or whatever the um, the bank was called that ended up getting robbed you can pretty much definitively figure out that mrs bass stole the baudelaire fortune so what olaf spent the entire series trying to steal was stolen stolen. about halfway through so that that was kind of my my favorite thing about the whole stuff in the background. If you were paying attention, yeah, there, also, there's just so much there. Also, the banker, um, his wife ran the newspaper, which was discredited, and she were she was the only one that didn't get a call back in the uh, in person for yeah. season three. And you know, everybody came back from other um, seasons and whatnot, but she wasn't there like present because she was in jail for writing false you know stories in the daily pontilio or whatever yeah yeah the uh um in the final episode i believe it's snicker is reading the daily pontilio and it is it's got our last edition you know sh- shut down for false reporting and there's a picture of her behind bars so, mm-hmm. so yeah that was um 
again just kind of wrapping everything up uh, and and one thing that um, I found out that I want to make sure is said here because it just really nice it was in there so there's one point uh, and it was on the last day of filming uh, they filmed a scene where Lemony Snicket is walking through the VFD tunnels mm-hmm. and he's talking about remembering the people that we've lost and how we keep them with us in our memories yeah um, there is a sign uh, on on the wall as he's walking along and that is uh, um, in the under in the underground in the sewers there's a whole bunch of signs as you see throughout the series showing you different directions like yeah. be to Montgomery's house and so on and so forth uh, there is a sign that says M. Howarth in the background when he's talking about that. Yeah. Uh, that sign honors a fan that was part of the Facebook group uh, that was named after the apartment that Jerome and Esme lived in. Mm-hmm. Uh, she died after a battle with uh, autoimmune diseases. Oh, snap. So um, when that happened, the group reached out to the creators to tell them about her and see if they could do anything. And so apparently the art department placed that sign saying M. Howarth in the VFD tunnel in the background during that bit where Lemony Snicker is talking about the people that we lost. See, man, that, that's what makes this a good show. It's just it is good on all fronts, you know, on the screen and behind the scenes. <laughs> yeah, and it, it's something that I read that and I, I just had a smile on my face. I was like, yeah, yeah these guys get it, you know? Mm-hmm. It's, they were able to do that for for someone that loved the show so much. So. And, be, and before we finish off, we got to talk about our favorite character throughout the whole series that met an untimely demise. And that's your way to Larry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> your way to <laughs> And uh, yes, he, he ended up going out in a very interesting way. <laughs> Served him some food. <laughs> yep. As yes, he, he did throughout all the show. Yeah, and ended up being boiled alive in some hot curry uh, now I think I know some people that wouldn't mind going out that way but yeah that was uh, unfortunate that he was unable to to help the Baudelaire up to the end there but uh, mm-hmm. well it is a series of unfortunate events yes very much so <laughs> and uh, uh, with that I think uh, kind of a fitting way to <laughs> the review um, so yes uh, do you have any uh, final thoughts before we uh, fully wrap up? Do you think this whole thing would benefit from a prequel series? You know, or even a follow-up series, given how it ended? You know, Cause I, I mean, because think... I mean, Well, I don't mean to cut you off, I'm sorry, but because, no, I mean, no. we know in some way, you know, the Baudelaire survived because they raised this kid to a certain age. Yeah. And um, their story isn't done. So, I mean, it can go from, you know, a much older Baudelaire's or it can be prequels you know the rise of Olaf and when they were kids and when the you know the principal was picking them out and scouting for the VFD or the formation of the VFD in general yeah I mean I will say I am perfectly happy not seeing anything past what we saw mm-hmm. I, I feel that trying to revisit it might at this point just feel like even if right. it isn't and even if it's if it's good Mm-hmm. It would it would still feel like, well, we got a good thing here. Let's keep it going. Yeah, uh, and that would but, contradict what I was saying earlier when I I said I like things that just you know, hey, this is what this is. It's going to start here and end here, and that's it. <laughs> yeah, uh, but um, but yeah, I I I will say that uh, there is there is a prequel book written by uh, Lemony Snicket. Daniel Handler, uh, which is called All the Wrong Questions, which is about a young Lemony Snicket and him getting conscripted into the VFD. So I think if you found the right person to play Lemony Snicket, mm-hmm. uh, I think you could do really well there. Um, uh, but I think that would have to be just like a mini series, and that's it. Like, yeah, again, don't stretch it out. Just, just have it be his this book and it's just it could even be a film like yeah. a Netflix film or something and and then that could be it because uh, I wouldn't want them to stretch it out and I don't think they would if they ever did it mm-hmm. but I'm not I get the feeling they're probably going to leave it as it is mm-hmm. um, and and again I'm perfectly okay with that too it would it would be nice to see something else but I'm, hap- 
I'm perfectly happy if we don't. So yeah, I can agree. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, yeah, I think that's pretty much everything I have to say about, uh, about this. That's all I gotta say about that. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, so, uh, in that case, why don't you tell the good people that have been listening so far uh, where they can find you on the interwebs? All right. You can find me on Twitter at it's B Rob. That's I T S B R O B. If you want to talk professional wrestling in any other general shenanigans, that's the place you do it. I also host a podcast of my own called The Random Rounds with Rob. You can also follow that on Twitter at 3R Show. And if you want to find out more things and what I'm doing and whatnot and ways to support the show, you can go to randomrobcast.com, to where you can find every single episode of every podcast that I currently do, which is The Random Rounds with Rob, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, wrestling is trash. Um, a wrestling podcast that I do, and um, I have a semi-weekly uh, podcast that I do with my wife called The Real Robinsons. So you can find all the information for all those things on randomrobcast.com. Yes, yes, do go uh, check that out and do go subscribe. They are a lot of fun. <laughs> Again, if you want to get a hold of myself, uh, just want to let us know what you thought or anything like that. You can go to Twitter, Facebook, Instagram at Blokebusters. You can email us, theblokes at blokebusters.com. Or you can just uh, shout very loudly. And if you happen to be nearby, I'll probably hear you. So there's, uh, there's that as well. So, <laughs> <laughs> so with all of that being said, I've been Paul. I've been B-Rob. And we'll see you next time. Bye. In case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Hang on a minute, lads. I've got a great idea. Uh. Louis, I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.